And uh, hey, if we haven't met before, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Benger. I'm one of the pastors here at Flourishing Grace and um, really excited to be here this morning. Uh, I've got a friend and um, recently uh, this friend has experienced some conflict um, at a church that she and I used to be a part of. Our kids used to um, hang out together. And as part of that, she's kind of made known that, you know, I'm going to just need to step back for a while and not engage in a church community. And, and that might be something that you've experienced before. You might have experienced some sort of conflict. I know that um, uh, a number of years ago, I was part of a church in uh, Colorado where there were kind of a couple of ways forward that we could go as a church, and there was a disagreement. And there, it was one of those situations where there wasn't like any one right answer, right? There are some situations where, where truth is involved. There's some situations where somebody's being harmed or there's justice involved and, and you just stand your ground. But this is one of those situations where and there's just disagreement on the best way forward, but there was only one way forward. And unfortunately, um, one group of people said, you know, I just don't agree with this. And so they went to a different church and the, the people who stayed couldn't keep the church afloat and it closed and it was heartbreaking to me. And if we're honest, this kind of conflict happens way too often among followers of Jesus. And I'm not, not talking about healthy conflict where we've got to work something out, there's, there's something to decide, and we bring something to the table, and, and we pray through it, and we talk through it, even when there's disagreement. I'm talking about conflict that breaks relationships. Maybe this is something you've experienced. In fact, you might be here, and, and you might not be a follower of Jesus, and, and you're here checking it out and you're glad to be here, but you're just like, Benjamin, this is why I've kind of kept church at a distance, or this is why I've kept faith at a, different, at a distance. Because if we're honest, it happens way too often. Jesus, um, as he was with his followers the night before uh, he was going to be arrested and, and eventually crucified and, and rise again from the dead, um, he said this. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, this is how people are going to know that you belong to me, Jesus said. Not by how often you go to church, not by how often you read your Bible, not by how often you engage in some of the things that we think of as, as religious things, but in how you love one another. Friends, can we just be honest? There are times where we just don't get this right. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, um, this is going to be one of those mornings, one of those messages where this is kind of for those who would call themselves followers of Jesus. Because this is something that, that Christ calls us to when we decide to follow him, when we hand over our lives to him. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, do me a favor, don't, don't check out. Because I think you're going to hear something that might surprise you a little bit. Because the honest truth is this. This community and, and churches of followers of Jesus, listen, they consist of sinful, broken, imperfect people. And they are led by sinful, broken, and imperfect people. So conflict is going to happen. There's going to be times where it is difficult to live this out. This is not always easy. And the question is, what do we do when that happens? We step back and say, I just, I just can't do this anymore. Or do we lean in? 
Today we're actually going to see that. We've been walking through the middle section of the book of Acts. If this is your first time here, you've missed some of this summer. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke who was a follower of Jesus soon after Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And he set out to put down on paper an orderly account of events of the life and ministry of Jesus, which is the gospel of Luke, and the events that happened after Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And that's the book of Acts, which is short for Acts of the Apostles, essentially the book of Acts is a history of the early church, and we walked through the first kind of nine chapters last summer, and this summer we're walking through the middle section, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 15, um, starting in verse uh, 36, and if you uh, have your Bible, please flip there, and if you forgot your Bible, um, there's a Bible underneath your seat. It's a blue Bible. You can flip there. We're going to be on page 1024, and if you don't have a Bible, listen, that Bible is yours. We want those to walk out the door, take a pen, write your name in it, that is yours, and we're going to be there. And, and if you are able, would you do me a favor and stand as we read God's Word, because we believe this is God's Word, inspired by the Word of God. So if you're able, as we read chapter 15, verses 36 through, 30, through uh, 41, please stand. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them, as in, from, withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark. With him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Have you ever walked into a movie uh, like a half or two-thirds of the way through and you know that when you're walking in, you're at a pivotal moment, uh, something is happening, you know it's important, but you have no clue who these people are on the screen. You don't know what's happened before that. Um, that that's me with just like every kid's movie that my kids are watching and I kind of walk in the front door and they've been watching this kid's movie and I'm like, what on earth is going on? You might feel that a little bit if, if you haven't been following along, but even if you have, because Luke kind of jumps into a scenario here, and he's given a little bit of background sprinkled throughout the book of Acts. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hit pause, and we're just going to get to know some of these people in this passage that we just read, because if we don't, it's going to feel like, man, we're coming in halfway through a movie, and I don't understand why this is significant. So we'll start with Paul. Even if you're new to this whole church thing, even if you, you haven't really spent much time in the Bible, you probably recognize the name Paul, especially if you've taken a world history class or maybe in college you took a comparative religions course. Paul is credited with kind of spreading this message of Jesus, this gospel, throughout the known world in the first century around the Roman Empire. But before Paul did that, Paul was actually somebody who was not a fan of Jesus. He lived around the time of Jesus, and soon after, Jesus died, rose again from the dead, um, and, and this movement began to get started. Paul thought it was blasphemous. He thought, there's no way Jesus really is the Messiah. There's no way that, that this is God's chosen one. And so he took it upon himself to round up followers of Jesus, especially leaders in the early church, put them in the prison, and oversee even their execution at times. And then Paul one day 
has an encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus appears to him out of the sky, and Paul goes from being one of the biggest opponents to early Christianity and this message of grace to being one of the biggest proponents. His life has changed. He becomes a follower of Jesus, and he spends the rest of his life going from city to city telling people about Jesus. And then there's Barnabas. Barnabas is a really cool name. His, his given name is Joseph, right? I have kind of a goofy nickname, Benjur. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just a mistake my sister made. But Barnabas's nickname is really awesome because it means son of encouragement. You see, Barnabas was, was apparently so encouraging that the early leaders in the early church, uh, the apostles, they nicknamed him son of encouragement, and Barnabas actually comes on the scene, in addition to early on in Acts, he, he intersects with the life of Paul, and he actually takes Paul under his wing soon after Paul has this encounter with the risen Jesus and decides to follow Jesus. He, he teaches him about Jesus, and in fact, um, when Paul decides, man, I need to go back to Jerusalem, I need to talk to these leaders in the church, and these leaders are like, no way, this is a trick. Now, this guy, Paul, I mean, he's, he's just trying to gain access into our inner circle so he can put us into prison and kill us. And Barnabas sticks out his neck for Paul. And this friendship is formed, and they actually spend quite a bit of time traveling around the known world telling people about Jesus. And then there's John Mark. You might know John Mark just by his, his second name, Mark, because he authored the Gospel of Mark. John Mark is a figure in the early church. His mom was actually um, really influential in the church in Jerusalem. She, she helped out the church and uh, actually donated um, space in her home so that people could come and gather in her home. And some people believe that Mark actually refers to himself later on in his biography in the Gospel of Mark as one of the early followers of Jesus who actually ran away when Jesus was arrested. John Mark is familiar with Jesus, and we'll find out in a couple of minutes, John Mark actually has some flaws. But before we go really any further into that, as we, as we gain a little bit of this background, um, it's important to point out that as we read this passage we just read, this is a significant conflict. This is not just, you know, Costa Vida, Chipotle, and Chipotle is the right answer, right? Maybe that is significant, okay? But... This is not insignificant. This is a rupturing of a friendship. And not just a rupturing of a friendship, but this is a, a break in a relationship among leaders in the early church. But it's important to point out that Luke, as he describes this, Luke is careful not to take sides. If you read this carefully, Luke is careful to, to not say who, he's, who thinks is right or wrong, and he probably has his own opinion, but Luke is not interested in who's right and who's wrong. Luke is interested in what God is up to in the midst of this. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm engaged in a conflict, just to be honest, maybe it's just me, um, so I'm, I'm the only broken person in this room, but I am mostly interested when I'm engaged in a conflict in, one, getting my own way, Maybe it's just a little brother in me. I don't know. And two, coming out looking good in the, in the nature of this conflict. I want people to say, yeah, Benjur was right. If I'm honest, usually last on my mind is, God, what are you up to in the midst of this? But as Luke records this conflict, it's important for us to note that, listen, we need to take a step back, not just as we read these things, but when we're engaged in difficulty in our own life. Maybe it's a conflict. Maybe it's something else that's going on that we just wish wasn't there. So God, 
even though this doesn't seem to be my plan A, even though this is not the way I would have planned this to go, even if I am the cause of this screw-up, God, what are you up to in the midst of this? I think we'd do well if we would ask that question, and Luke asked that question here. Now, as we dive into the conflict, um, we need to back up a couple of chapters. You see, Paul and Barnabas, on, on one of their trips to tell people about Jesus, they actually take John Mark along with them. It appears that maybe he was a younger follower of Jesus or maybe just a, a newer leader and they wanted him to assist them, but they also kind of wanted to mentor him. And so they, they decide to, to go on this trip and they bring John Mark with them. And then at a certain point, Luke tells us, John Mark actually abandons them. In Luke, um, I'm sorry, in Acts 13, 13, it says this, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, which is where John Mark was from. And I think it's up here on the screen, too. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. Now, let's take a look at a map and see kind of what happened here. We're going to put this up here. If you look at the blue, um, you can see some of the direction of their trip. And they, they start around Antioch, and they start to go uh, through Cyprus, that island down there, and then they go up north. Well, up there in Perga, kind of in the middle, that's when John Mark decided, I'm out. Luke doesn't tell us why. Luke doesn't tell us maybe he was sick. Luke doesn't tell us if maybe, listen, it was just harder than he thought it would be. It was more dangerous than he thought it would be. For whatever reason, he leaves and goes home to Jerusalem. Now, this isn't like you decide to go on a hike on a Friday afternoon and you're with your friends and halfway through your knee starts to kind of act up and, and you think, boy, I'm just not going to make it. And you tell your friends, listen, you guys go on ahead. Um, my knee's acting. I'm just going to go home. I've got dinner plans anyways. No, this is an act of desertion. Travel around the Roman Empire it's, in itself was not an easy thing. There was strength in numbers. But in addition to that, the mission that they were on, this task that they had to tell people about Jesus, they, would, they knew that they would encounter some opposition. In fact, later on in this trip, they are kicked out of cities. Paul, they attempt to execute Paul by stoning him. He's left for dead and he survives that. It is a very dangerous trip. And so John Mark, deciding in the middle to say, listen, I'm out, it's dangerous and it's an act of desertion. And so, when we come to our passage from today, and they're in Jerusalem, uh, Josh Gardner talked about that last week, they had a council in Jerusalem, and Paul says, listen, we need to go back to these cities that we just visited, see how everybody's doing, we planted some churches, we, we told people about Jesus, let's encourage these people. Barnabas says, hey, I've got an idea, let's take John Mark. Now, John Mark was Barnabas' cousin, but it wasn't just, hey, let's take my cousin because he's a good cook. Uh, he tells really good jokes around the campfire. No, Barnabas was clear in this suggestion. Let's give John Mark a second chance. Paul was not having any of it. And before we write off Paul as somebody who's maybe bitter or maybe unforgiving, consider this. There's a difference between forgiving somebody and giving them access to, to put somebody in danger again. If somebody, if you trust somebody with your banking information and they steal your debit card and use your PIN to take out $1,000 in the ATM, and then they come to you later and say, listen, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? You might forgive them. That's great. You ought to forgive them. That's what we're called to do in Christ. But you've already ordered a new debit card and you're not giving them the new PIN, right? 
Paul says, now this is a, a dangerous trip. He didn't come with us before he abandoned us. It's probably not a good idea for him to come with us. And this agreement, this agreement among them ruptures the friendship. And again, Luke is careful not to take sides. This is not one of those situations where it's clear on a proper way forward. This isn't something where somebody is standing up for justice, standing up for the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. This is something where wisdom would say, man, there's a couple of ways forward, and they can't disagree, and the relationship ruptures. This was big news. Again, Luke is interested in what God is up to in the midst of this. And it's important to point this out. This does not make these leaders in the early church look good. This is not one of the situations where, where maybe Luke is including this, makes somebody look good. No, Luke is just simply writing down what happened. Maybe, this is kind of an aside, but, but maybe you've heard that, that some of these early documents in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, that talk about the life and ministry of Jesus and talk about what came after, right? they were just written to convince people that Jesus who had died really wasn't dead anymore. But when you consider it, if you were making this stuff up, if your goal was to tell a story that would get people to follow Jesus who was dead and make them believe that, well, no, he's really not dead, he's alive. You would never include this. You would never include this negative information about these leaders in the early church. We put this in, it reads like history because it happened. And these are flawed individuals. We've already heard about the flaws of John Mark and his desertion. You look at Barnabas, his encouragement is amazing. His encouragement is why Paul was where he was. God used Barnabas, took Paul under his wing. He encouraged him. He taught them about Jesus. But we can also see the flip side. Not just in this instance where there's this disagreement, but later on in the New Testament, we find out that Barnabas, probably out of trying not to rupture another relationship and get along with somebody, actually goes along with teaching that you have to become Jewish and follow the the Jewish law in order to follow Jesus, that there's works you have to do to follow Jesus and be forgiven by him, which of course is not true. That's contrary to the gospel. The gospel says that forgiveness is a free gift. We see the flip side of this encouragement and just being amazing at these relationships is is sometimes clouds are judgment. And there's Paul. Paul is known for being a fiery guy. Maybe that's why I really like him. But if we're honest, this is a situation where, where there's no really one good way forward. And Paul says, listen, I'm done with this relationship. There's only one way we're, we're going to separate. None of these guys come out looking good in this conflict. But Luke's point is what is, God to up in, up, what is God up to in the midst of this? What's really cool is Luke gives us a clue about what God is up to. When we take a look at the end of 15, 15, you want to 15, chapter 15, you want to flip there. It says in 39, after the disagreement, Barnabas took Mark and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended to the brothers by the, by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia. These guys separate. They go different ways. Their work is essentially double. God takes this conflict and he does something incredible through it. 
And not only that, we find out later that there is some reconciliation between Paul and Barnabas and Paul and John Mark. But that's not the end of the story. And it's not my favorite part of the story. See, my favorite part of the story actually comes at the end of their lives. And not just how they spent their lives, but how their lives ended. History tells us that each of these three men would be killed for the sake of the gospel, for telling people about Jesus and passionately pursuing him. The principle that we can get out of this is this. God accomplishes his perfect will through imperfect people who are willing to surrender their lives to him. God accomplishes his perfect will through imperfect people who are willing to surrender their lives to him. Now, we love the first part of this statement, don't we? We love the first part of this statement because I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. God can still use us. And yes, God can use people even when they are unwilling, even when they are broken and they never yield to God. We see that through the Old Testament, the New Testament. We see that again and again, God using people who are against him in incredible ways. But that's not what goes on here. God uses each of these men. He accomplishes his perfect will through imperfect people because they were willing to surrender their lives to him. Each of these men, even though this is an unfortunate instance, even though this conflict probably should have gone differently, each of them go their separate ways. but They continue to pursue Jesus. and They hand over their lives to God. And that's how they spend their lives. Friends, if we're honest, our first inclination when we experience conflict, especially in the body of Christ, our first inclination when we experience any kind of conflict or we disagree with something or or, or somebody ruffles our feathers is just back away. And disengage not just from people, but disengage from Jesus. And that is just not the right answer. Listen, we are not perfect in this room. You stay here long enough, chances are somebody in your small group, somebody in this room, somebody will hurt you. But when that happens, we don't disengage. We don't say, listen, I'm out. We lean in and we continue to pursue Jesus. And we continue to pursue his mission. And the way that we, we express that through here is that we lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. Many times we experience difficulty within the church. We experience conflict. Disengage and, and people leave the church. Friends, these people experienced conflict and they didn't leave the church. They gave their life for it. For Jesus and his message of grace. Conflict is going to happen. The question is, are you going to lean in? Not just for the sake of, of people and not just for the sake of a relationship. And I'm not talking about pretending like nothing happened. I'm not talking about not engaging the conflict. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that's just not healthy to pretend like nothing's going on. What I'm talking about, are you going to lean in and say, listen, we are passionately pursuing Jesus together, and we are passionately pursuing this mission that he has given us, leading people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. God accomplishes his perfect will through imperfect people who are willing to surrender their lives to him. 
Again, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but this room and this, this church, this community of followers of Jesus consists of broken, imperfect, sinful people and is led by broken, imperfect, sinful people. And there's going to be conflict. The question is, are we going to lean in? Or are we going to say, I'm out? Now, a few questions as we wrap up. First question is this. Are you passionately pursuing this mission God has given us as a local church? And this may seem like, well, what does this have to do with conflict? But I believe it has much to do with conflict. Because when we are only here for ourselves, when we sit in rows, and we're glad to get something out of it, and we're glad to be here, and maybe I go to a small group because I get something out of it, but we are not passionately pursuing this mission that God has given us as a church. When we experience difficulty, when we experience conflict, we're going to say, I'm out. I'm out. Second question is this. Do you treat this place as a hotel or a home? Explain what I mean by that. Uh, my family and I, a couple weeks ago, we came back from a road trip, and, and on our way through, um, we stayed at a small city in Wyoming. I'm not sure there's any large cities in Wyoming, but anyways, it was a small city in Wyoming, and we stayed in a hotel. And it was a chain because we wanted to make, couldn't see what it was like, and so at least get a chain and, and make sure it's going to be okay. But honestly, it wasn't a great experience. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't bring my tools with me and, and some materials to kind of do some renovations, I didn't bring pictures of my family, our framed photos, and put them up on the wall. There were no pieces of artwork plastered all over the mini fridge, right, from my kids. Because it was just a hotel. But a home is a different story. And our home, certainly there's a physical aspect to it for Jennifer and for me. Because we want it to be a warm place, but it's not just about the physical aspect. It's about our family. We believe God has given us a purpose, and, and we try to live that out. And in the midst of our relationships, we orient our lives and our family around that purpose and around one another. And listen, we don't leave when things get difficult. Now, sometimes my kids want to, and they've walked out the front door before, but, but we, we lean in and we engage one another. Friends, are you treating this place more like a hotel or a home? Last question. Is there a conflict that you need to be handling better? And there's a couple ways that you can take this. First of all, is there a conflict where you're in conflict with somebody else? But you're the only one who knows that you're in conflict with that person. You know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had a million arguments in your mind with that person, but you've never talked to them. Friends, these, these guys who engage in this conflict in, in Acts 15 should have gone differently, but one thing they did right was at least they engaged in conflict with each other. And again, there are times where we stand for justice. There are times when, when we stand for the truth. I'm talking about the majority of our conflicts, where there, there's, there's multiple ways forward. There are conflict you need to be handling differently. Maybe there's a conflict where you know 
that you have not viewed it in light of the mission God has given us and in light of what Jesus has done in our lives. We talked about this earlier today. Jesus hung on the cross and died for you and for me. Is there a conflict, especially within the local church? Maybe somebody in your small group that just, something happened, but you've, you've tried to kind of uh, let it go, but, but how you're treating each other really isn't okay. Is there, is there a conflict you need to handle differently? And friends, you know this about me. If you ever come to me, or anybody on our Lead Shepherd team, or anybody on our staff, you know the first question we're going to ask if you're complaining about somebody else is, well, have you talked to that person? We're honest, we don't handle conflict the way that we should. Is there conflict you need to be handling differently? Now just imagine for a moment. Our world handles conflict very differently than what Scripture tells us to. If you think about conflicts you may have in work, maybe conflicts you have at school, maybe conflicts in your neighborhood, it's all about who can get their way and who can come out looking good. But friends, as followers of Jesus, imagine if we did it differently. Imagine if we, we admitted, listen, I am an imperfect and broken and sinful person, so as I, as I go about my relationships, imagine what it would look like if we allowed the truth of the gospel and this mission that God has given us and sent us on collectively as a community of followers of Jesus. Imagine how that would look if that conflict went differently than people are used to. We've got this wall over here called Praying for One. Pastor Josh talked about how we pray for our communities. On this wall are names of people in our community that you have written here. You are engaged in their lives and you are praying that they would come to know Jesus and you are praying for openings to help introduce them to Jesus. Because it may be that one of those introductions to Jesus is that they would walk into your small group, that they would walk into Bible Adventure Camp, that they would walk into this room and they would encounter people maybe do things a little bit differently when it comes to conflict and relationships because God accomplishes his perfect will through imperfect people who are willing to surrender their lives to him. Let's pray. God, you are good. And God, I confess, even as I stand here, I know that there have been times and that there continue to be times, even now in my life, where I am more interested in getting my own way than I am in what you are up to in the midst of any difficulty or in any conflict. So God, I confess that and I pray that as we unpack our lives and as we are vulnerable and admit that we are broken and imperfect and sinful people and that there will be conflict, God, I pray that we, we would be the kind of people who responds to that by handing our lives over to you, handing our conflicts over to you, handing our difficulties over to you, and that we would surrender our lives to you. God, I pray that this would be the kind of place Whereas we engage with one another and as sometimes it doesn't go as well as it should, that God, that we would put 
Jesus at the forefront, that we would pursue him at all costs, even in our relationships here, and that we would pursue the mission that he has sent us on. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in the midst of this community. And thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.